Hi, I'm Keith McCullough, and welcome back to Real Conversations, where I just had another great one with Stefan Wheeler. Now, he is the head of research for Gold Money. Now, Gold Money is something that you may be familiar with. Josh Crum, who's been on Hedge Eye TV before, is absolutely fantastic. These two guys work together. What I like about them the most is that they have a great framework by which you can analyze gold. Well, Stefan, thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have somebody you know, with some innovative research and, again, an innovative view. You and your partner, uh, Josh Crum, have done a great job at Gold Money. Also on the Hedge Eye website, I think a lot of people are familiar with you, but they've never actually had the opportunity to meet you, so I want to make sure uh, that they had an opportunity to do that. Uh, first, just if you, if you could, just remind people of the framework that you guys use when you consider uh, gold, real interest rates, et cetera. Yeah, so, I mean, generally we look at gold as, as simply as money. Um, but um, how you value um, the price of gold, so the value, the value of, of gold, um, our framework is based around uh, real interest rates um, and energy prices. So we have, we have two factors that drive the price of gold in a currency, let's say in US dollars, it's real interest rates in US dollars. Um, and then on the other hand, it's longer dated energy prices. And the real interest rate aspect is really, that is basically the price of your money. It's the price of the dollar much more than the price actually of gold, right? So if you look at, the, if you wanna do an analysis on the price of gold in let's say Australian dollar, then you have to look at Australian real interest exactly. rates. Because that's basically your trade-off you have, right? So very low interest rates, um, the value, the value of your currency you're measuring your gold price in. Therefore, the price of gold in that currency goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is the energy side, which is simply the cost side, right? So that th- that energy aspect that anchors gold um, in in your economic system, right? Because you 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 use the same energy, labor, and time to produce all the other things, but you decide to forego that and actually invest that energy, labor, and time to dig out gold. Mm -hmm. And you're doing this because gold has, once it's mined, it's very, very useful, and it's very useful to be used as money. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the the price of energy changes, and, and price is maybe the wrong the wrong word, but when the scarcity of energy, like in a, when you live in, an, in a world of plenty of energy, then you can um, mine more gold, right? Mm-hmm. So, or you can basically mine it cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- those are the two factors that explain most of the, of the moves we see yep. in the gold price in, in pretty much any current. Now, on the other side of the framework, um, real interest rates. You know, this is a note that we can put up uh, for for anyone who's uh, on hedgeye.com, but you know the the note that you wrote that is titled "Gold is Breaking Free from Fed Rate Expectations." Uh, can you explain that the, that part of the framework, real interest rates versus nominal, and really boil it down for people because it's a super important component to what you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, I mean, we found that um, we can show that kind of statistically that it's real interest rates that are driving the price of gold and not nominal rates. And it makes total sense, right? So if you have, let's say... if Real rates in U.S. dollars. Real rates in U.S. dollars right. and the price of gold in U.S. dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can look at it with a very simple example. If, let's say, your nominal rates are 5%, 
but your inflation rate is 10%. And basically, your, your gold, your purchasing power of gold stays uh, flat over a longer period, um, then um, your gold price has to go up in such an environment, right, to, to reflect that. So, yeah, you're getting, like, if you hold US dollar and you lend it out, you're getting, you're getting a return on it, the 5% of interest mm -hmm. rates. But you're actually losing because your inflation is 10%, right? But um, in order, like, and then again, that goes back to you have to mine the gold, right? So the, the, the cost to mine the gold will go up by 10% because that's your inflation. Yep. So your gold price then goes up with, with, with that real interest rate being low, not so much the nominal rate. If you can, if you can like, let's say you, you have a nominal interest rate of 20%, if your inflation rate is 40%, your gold price is still going up, right? So what we have seen um, in, um, in the past year and a half or so is that we have seen an extremely strong correlation between nominal rates and the gold price. Yep. And a lot of people picked up on that and it is actually true that, and it is a very rare occasion that the correlation between nominal rates and gold has been stronger than the correlation, or more negative, I have to say, uh, than the correlation between real interest rates and gold. Yep. And it re it's really rare that that happens. And we think the reason for that is, um, well, first of all, the correlation between real interest rate and gold is also very, very low right mm -hmm. now. Um, it's just not quite as low as the correlation between nominal rates. But really what happened over the past one and a half years is that this departure of the Fed <coughs> from this zero interest rate policy um, and the market getting more confidence actually that the Fed is able to raise rates and will raise rates. This is just, I mean, these are tectonic shifts in the mm -hmm. market, right? There's so much money in it which just moves everything. Mm -hmm. So just moving off of NERP or ZERP or the zero bound got people to start to put causality in their head that yeah. nominal and gold yeah. should be moving yeah. at this. And so, and then initially also after the presidential elections when nominal rates really start yep. to shoot up, um, real interest rates moved up as well quite a mm -hmm. lot. So it was still kind of consistent with that because the inflation expectations actually had not kicked in yet. Mm -hmm. But what we have seen then over the past, uh, I would say, three months or so, that nominal rates say kind of flattish, um, but um, inflation expectations actually started to gradually move higher. Yep. So now realist interest rates are actually declining again. So we almost went back to 0.8 on a 10-year tip yield. Mm -hmm. um, and now we are back to around, I would say today is about 0.35 or something. And you have seen how gold actually started moving with that again. And over the long run, it has to move with real interest rates. Mm -hmm. it, it's just like that correlation between nominal interest rates and real interest rates, that can only be temporary, right? It cannot last forever. Right. Um, and it will eventually have to go back um, to trade in line with real interest rates. And, and this it is has a, been doing it has been doing that for well, decades. And it makes sense like within your, your total framework, because you're looking at real rates in dollars and you're looking at long-dated energy prices, which are incidentally a good proxy for inflation, yes. or at least a, a, the way that we build our, sure. what yeah. we call our front-running or commodity price sample basket that front-runs inflation, you know, the biggest component is energy. So yeah. you know, the, the, it does make sense for those things to be bedfellows. 
I wonder then if that's the point, is that once you get what we call a quad two scenario between growth and inflation, so both growth and inflation are accelerating at the same time, so in other words, finally inflation expectations start to go up, then that's when gold can start to stabilize its base and go higher. Because effectively, that's what you're saying, that what, what you have nominally is taken away in terms yes. you know, when you have yeah. inflation racing ahead at the same time, that's net bullish for gold. Yes, yes, absolutely it is. And I think, you, actually, you brought a great point. So, like, um, energy can drive, in, like, energy can drive inflation, right? So moves in oil prices can have positive or negative, yeah. negative effect on inflation. You can't exit right? out. So <laughs> we, had actually, we had a lot of discussion that this, like, internally in, in our company about this because uh, some argued that the reason why, um, why oil prices oil prices in gold remain stable um, over a long period is simply because like everything is basically driven by central bank policy and money supply, right? So it's just inflation in energy is just, it just is, it's money supply. I mean, and, and I actually agree with this over the very long run, but what we have shown and I think is, um, is unique in our framework is that this can also work the other way around, right? It really, when when inflation, when energy or yeah, when oil prices or energy prices move, based on changes in fundamentals rather than anything that has that it, if it doesn't have anything to do with just broad-based inflation, right? So when you saw the price coming off, longer-dated prices came off from about one hundred ten dollars in two thousand thirteen, all the way down to fifty dollars, mm-hmm. um, that cannot be explained by monetary policy, right? <laughs> that is. That is an effect of, okay, we had oil scarcity, companies invested a lot of time and money to find a solution for this, and now we have shale oil, and, well, guess what? You know, all of a sudden we can actually produce a lot more oil a lot cheaper, and we don't need that really expensive stuff anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like the really expensive Canadian yeah. oil sands and, like, Arctic drilling and all that. All of a sudden, you don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. So now, all of a sudden, like these prices actually can come off. Yeah. Right? So you get your you you get a, a deflation of your input costs. Yes. And at the same time, in dollars, real rates start to look different. Yes. So yeah. that you know you could explain if that's your framework, that's precisely how yeah. you'd explain the decline in gold. And and I think as a, you make a good point. We look at this more as a framework to explain right. why gold moves that way rather than um, a trading tool. Right? No, no, exactly. So because then otherwise we would have to be able to forecast where real rates are going and where energy prices are yeah. going. And I mean, I give myself some credit that I have an idea where energy prices are going, but real rates is is difficult, right? Yeah. Well, it's a humble it's a humble thing to say and actually just acknowledge. Yeah. What if? Because it hasn't happened in in a long time. What happened if real growth, not nominal, real growth accelerates? In other words, you know what I mean. But we get a real rip Mm -hmm. in growth expectations as inflation expectations roll over. Yeah, I mean, so in that scenario, you it would allow the Fed to raise rates probably more quickly. Yeah, that's te- typically when they more have. likely, right? Yeah. So I mean, look, we look at it from this way. We right now we look at what the Fed is saying. The Fed is saying that at the end of this hiking cycle, we're going to end up somewhere around three percent Fed funds rate. Right? Yep. Um, and they're using a two percent inflation target based on PCE. 
Um, and so uh, if you look at tips, which we use in our model as the driver, uh, tips are reflecting CPI. Mm -hmm. And CPI tends to be a little bit higher than, than PCE is mm -hmm. over the past 20 years or so. But the rates have changed. They fit like a glove. I mean, they look pretty close. Yeah. So, but like, let's, say, let's say we get 2% inflation, we get 3% rates, and let's say um, a 10-year actually trades a percent or something above that. Then you get 2% real interest rates. That would basically be your like your Goldilocks scenario, yeah. right, where you look at. And that, in my view, that would have a negative impact on gold, but it wouldn't be absolutely dramatic, right? We took real interest rates down in from 5 6% down to, at some point, almost minus 1%. Yeah. And we're still around half a percent. So in your absolute Goldilocks scenario, the gold price would come off a little mm -hmm. bit in that meantime until we hit the next right. recession so, and they have to lower rates. Right? So to simplify, I mean, the framework, what I love about it is that it goes both ways. I mean, effectively, yeah. if you, and, and that's really been the epicenter of, of gold's highest prices, if you look at the last five to ten years, is that when you've had real rates go flat to negative, gold has had unbelievable outperformance. And if and when, which has been episodic at best, you do get a growth scare, gold tends to have some type of a correction. Yeah. And that's and one way to, to put real terms and real rates in simpleton speak. And it happened, right? So yeah. like gold prices came off. They were at 1,900 US dollars at some point. Yep. And then they came off all the way to 1,050. Yeah, and that, that was incidentally, it came in the year, US growth accelerating. It was one year. It was 2013. Yes. Like a where the Fed was forced to taper you know, because they were behind. They felt like they were behind. And then that was it. Yeah. You know, it was one year. And you of a saw real rates went from minus 0.9, I think they were at the bottom, yep. all the way back to 0.8. <laughs> so that actually was a big yeah. move. Isn't right? it crazy so that that's the standard deviation of what of what people, what we have to operate in? Yeah, but it's, that, it's, that's basically what it was. Yeah. And then that was actually half of the gold price correction. The other half, then again back energy. tying back to it, was that longer dated energy prices. They actually, so people think energy prices recovered after the recession, right? So they were like $150, went down to $30, and then recovered back and stayed at uh, 100 plus yep. dollars until 2014, and then shale came in and boom. But what actually happened is that longer dated energy prices, they started to price in this shale revolution much, much sooner. Yeah. So they peaked actually in. Um, off the top of my head, that peaked in 2011 or like early 12, and then it just gradually came off. Mm -hmm. And that's about half of your gold price correction. Yeah. And the other half is the recovery in real rates. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, when you look at it from an intermediate to long-term cycle perspective, these things are so obviously easy to see in hindsight. Um, but I find that almost uh, the mass, I call it, you know, the, the the mass mania of the media, if you will. They're constantly looking at these very short-term correlations, and they're trying to make stories of them. You know, like if you if you look at, you mentioned it before we, we sat down, but the yen versus the new the new thing to talk yeah. about is the yen versus gold relationship. Yeah. What do you think about that? So yeah, I mean, it, I, the, if you look at the Japanese yen chart and you overlay it with the gold price chart, it's like a mirror image <laughs> on a sixty-day so basis for sure. Yeah, it, it really it looks really close, and you can actually look at even intraday. If you look at uh, the last uh, uh, Fed rate hike yeah. at that day, it just moved almost tick for tick yeah. um, in line, and and so uh, this has been noticed 
um, and you, you read about it. And a lot of people just say, okay, look, this is it. We don't know why. And, and that's honest. And then there's like, <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some, there's some people who try to explain why this is. Yeah. And like a common explanation we see is that this is just, um, um, those are two safe haven assets. And so if people <laughs> try to exit the dollar, they go into the safe haven assets. And so they buy gold and they buy Japanese yen. The yen, At the is, same a, time, the yen is a safe haven asset. Oh, yeah, well, like, I mean, look, <laughs> I guess it hasn't declined as much as the US dollar did. I mean, it has outperformed the dollar since the, the demonetization of gold by about 200%. It still lost ninety percent versus gold, right? <laughs> so there's not really there's no reality where the Japanese yen is actually a store of value. That, that that's just not that's that's not true. Um, so like we actually looked at that and we thought it's really interesting. And the first thing I thought was the first thing that came to my mind was carry trade. Yeah. Um, and so we went back to our framework and said, okay, if gold, we know gold is driven by real rates. And so for the past two years, longer dated energy prices really haven't moved much. So the past two years was, the, the gold price move was just real rates, right? So if you take the one side of the equation out and only the other thing moves, that's, that's what it moves up. And then we looked at, okay, so what is Japanese yen like being driven by? And if you look at the real interest rate differential between the Japanese yen and the US dollar, mm -hmm. that moves totally in line with gold. And it totally moves in line with the Japanese yen as well. So part of it might be carry trade, I guess. Um, if interest rate differentials uh, change, yep. that impacts your carry trade and people go in and out and buying back Japanese yen, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And actually, we looked at the same thing. If you look at, for instance, the price in gold in Australian dollar, which probably makes for, I'm, I'm, I'm not a FX trader, but um, like having a carry trade in, being long Australian dollar and um, funded with Japanese yen, you have a bigger carry. And so we looked at that, and that totally matches as well. So if yeah. you look at real interest rate differentials between Japanese yen and Australian dollar, same picture, yeah. exactly same picture. Then there is also that, I mean, what the BOJ is doing right now is, is I mean, it puts the Fed to shame in terms of, intervention at this point, right? So it's just this massive amount of asset purchases that moves everything with it. Yeah. Um, so that's part of the story as well. But by doing that, they're moving real interest rates. So um, it, in the end, it's, it's all linked. And it, it's not that this is inconsistent with our story, but it actually confirms what we, what we already knew. Now, the interesting part about this is so can you now, so you look at this correlation between Japanese yen and gold, can you conclude from this that, okay, if the yen starts to sell off for whatever reason, will gold sell off? Mm -hmm. And I mean, only if the Japanese yen sells off because um, for some reason the US dollar gets a, like a exactly. lot of strength, right? Because real interest rates yeah. in U.S. dollars are exactly. increasing. Exactly, because you're looking. So that's the story we, we talked about. If you're about. look like if you if you take this whole meme or media meme on yen versus gold, and you just go back to your framework, or you use part my framework, which is I'm trying to figure out whether U.S. growth is accelerating or slowing. If I believe that U.S. growth is accelerating, 
I'd believe that the dollar would most likely start to accelerate versus the yen. So if the dollar is going up versus the yen because U.S. growth is accelerating, yes, of course. And by the way, that's negative for the real interest rate case to be long gold. So you can get to these answers using your framework, I think, yeah. much more readily than using, you're making, what people tend to do in macro, and you know this better than most, I mean, they just make up some kind of a story. I mean, there's a story for everything. <laughs> anything well, can be correlated to anything, yeah, effectively. Yeah. No, you know. no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, correlation and causality are mm -hmm. two different things, right? Yeah. I think where, where, where we add value with our framework, it basically allows you to, I mean, it, what we show is that gold, the price of gold is not driven by greed or fear or... If, if greed and fear moves real interest rates, yes, yes, then yes, right? But we can actually, we can show you very clearly, and, and gold prices are very rational. Well, gr gr to be f fair, I mean, real interest rates are moved by greed and fear. Yeah, If, if extent, growth is yes. slowing into a recession and or depression, you're going to have negative real rates. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. If you have deflation, you're going to have, if that's yeah. a fear. Yeah. You're going to have negative real rates. So the, 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 what they need to do, these gold brokers, <laughs> all these different people, they just need to update how they're, they're pitching it. <laughs> I think they just need to be a little sharper. Do you agree? No, I, I, I agree. And look, we, we, like, so, uh, we at Gold Money, we, we, our mission is to democratize the access to gold. Yeah. Right? So we see, gold, we see gold as money. Uh, we think that over the long run, if people save um, in, gold in gold rather than in fiat currency, it's going to be to their advantage, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't need the end of the world for that to happen. Because we don't think that gold will make you rich. Gold just like maintains your purchasing power. Yep. So yeah, it has gone up several thousand percent since the demonetization of gold, but it still buys you the same amount of oil or the same amount mm -hmm. of house. Stuff. It, it's, just, it's just very good money. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, like, if you... It, it, there's always these stories like, oh, but it hasn't worked, right? You're kind of, like, telling us this. No, it does. It, it has worked, <laughs> right? So gold has done really well, again, in 2016. It has done well since the beginning of the year. And if you look at it over the past 20, 25 years, if you had saved in gold rather than in any currency in the world, even lending it out to your bank and taking all that credit risk and generating an interest, gold has still outperformed these currencies. And, and so what our mission was is like, okay, look, gold has been used as money. It, 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 everything used to be gold. Um, until very recently in history. And what we just allowed with our uh, platform is that people can use it that way again. Mm -hmm. They can save uh, in gold, and they can pay things in gold, and they can transact in gold. So that, that's kind of like, um, that's our pitch, right? Mm -hmm. What we have, that, that's what we allow people to do. So if you're selling, in if you're selling the end of the world, uh -uh. you might be right eventually, but you can only be right once. <laughs> but... <laughs> But you like in, for gold to make sense as for everybody as, as savings, you don't need the end of the world. It already made sense. It made a lot, a lot of sense, right? And so, yeah, if you look at it as an investment, it's a different story. If you go and you have your your dollar in cash, and then you went in and bought just gold with all your cash, 
when gold was at 1900 yes you're down but if you started if you saved a hundred dollars every month yeah. um, and you started a couple of years ago you're up mm -hmm. right so and, and savings work that way it's it, it it's not that all of a sudden you get a lot of money and then you Maybe on Wall Street, right? So like there's like bonus season, and then you get a lot of money. It's a different story. Most people don't get money that way, right? They 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 earn money, they spend money. Uh, hopefully, they have a little bit left at the end of the month, and then your decision has to be: okay, what are I going to do with that money? And some people buy stocks, and we're like uh, we we're not against that at all, right? So, but that's it. You have to treat it as an investment. You're taking risk. Mm -hmm. um, if you buy in gold, you just basically you you put your money into, or you convert your money, your fiat currency, into a form of money that is counterparty risk-free mm -hmm. and has maintained purchasing power over very, very long time periods. So that, that's basically kind of our story. But then again, we try to, with our framework, we try to give people an idea where they are in the cycle, mm -hmm. right? So right now, if you say, okay, there's energy prices on one side, there's real interest rates on the other side. Where are we in these two cycles? And so you look at energy prices, and they have to come off from $110 longer day to, to around $50. And maybe there is a, there is a little bit more. People look at the shale industry, and now they have, first they didn't believe in it, and now they think it's like a semiconductor industry, right? So they basically can increase efficiency, efficiencies like every year, forever, and we just kind of like, like we drill twice as long and whatever. I mean, you see already this year, there's actually price inflation kicking in in the shale industry, right? So um, service costs are up, up for the first time in years. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a big chunk of those costs are wages, for instance, mm -hmm. but then there's also consumables, etc. So yeah, they can get better at the, what they're doing, but there's just that much they can do, right? Mm -hmm. So I think on the longer dated side, longer dated prices, we are probably pretty close to the bottom, mm -hmm. where you can't go that much lower, right? And then you look at the real interest rate side, and I'm with you. If growth, if real growth accelerates, um, uh, those uh, like tips yields or like real interest rate expectations is actually what drives yep. the gold price yep. more than re not really what real interest rates are yep. right now, but expectations. And you look at it, and realistically, you have to say, okay. There is upside in a scenario where everything goes right, mm -hmm. right? So there's definitely that risk. But then um, you actually would need the longest period um, of ex economic expansion. It would have to continue and continue and continue. Continue and continue yep. and continue without inflation kicking in, right? right. Um, and so it's, po I mean, it's, it's possible. possible. It's possible. It happened, in the, it happened in the, as you know, in the 1990s. Yeah. Uh, in your note, you actually wrote, night, which is accurate, we're 92, 93 months into the expansion. Um, so that's really the good, like, to me, when I think about the, the biggest risk to gold is a breakout in U.S. growth for two to three quarters. Then all of a sudden, and that can happen, yeah. Of course, it happens and, and, just because it, it happens against a slowdown. So when that, if and when that happens, that's when you get an opportunity to buy a lot of gold again. I mean, if you really look at... Uh, the underperformance of gold is when people's growth expectations go up a lot more than in inflation expectations, which is yeah. what, what they did between November, effectively, and um, February. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, then, and then, so that's, it's, I, what I love about this is that there's a framework, right? There are rules to the framework. Mm -hmm. We can't just, like, you, know, you see a lot of people on Wall Street 
they're constantly coming up with a new way to describe why they have an idea. <laughs> There's this, as we call it, style drift. There's no process. You know, you guys have a great framework whereby you can, you can have a real discussion about this and you can have a different view on where growth or dollar, where rates, real rates are going in dollars, but we'll both agree to agree that if, if you're correct on your path on growth... Then we should know where gold prices are exactly. going, right? Yeah, so I, I, the model doesn't allow me to kind of tell you Oh, it goes to fifteen hundred, or it goes to nine hundred, or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the, the. Well, some people come up with that, and I'll have Jim Rickards in here tomorrow. He'll come up with. Some people will use a, which I don't buy into, but it is an opinion which can be accurate, and I can be dead wrong as I usually am. But the reality is that um, some people use a valuation metric. They'll say, well, gold should be, as a function of the total debt, or gold should be as a function of the total money supply outstanding. Yeah, that, so they'll come up with like this really high level of gold, measuring it as a as a as a multiple of something. Yes, but so here's the thing. So I don't do that. Here's <laughs> my take on this, right? So there's also like, okay, are gold prices manipulated or are gold prices like artificially depressed? They're saying, I think no, because if you look at it, what gold does, it should buy you roughly the same things over time. Anything that uses energy to make um, should cost you roughly the same thing over time. Yep. And if you look at a barrel of oil in 1917, it costs exactly the same <laughs> as it does today. Like, exactly. If, if you look at the average home price in, gold in the U.S. in gold terms, yep. it's very stable yep. over the long run. Um, so that alone tells me, well, if gold prices should be higher for some reason, then, and not all else equal, then all of a sudden gold would allow you to buy a lot more things. And that would be strange money, right? So um, if you argue like that, that the gold price, what they actually argue is that the dollar is overvalued, right? Yeah, so they basically say the dollar buys you too many things. Given how much we printed and everything, the dollar, the, the dollar is too strong. But things priced in gold, I, I think they're actually priced right, right? So the, the gold works pretty well. It, it is amazing that we have demonetized gold for 45 years, but it still works. <laughs> so nobody, nobody's actually, you, we use it maybe as a store of value, right? It's, not, it's a, okay, it is sold by Wall Street banks as some sort of trading idea, and you go along this and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people just hold it as a store of value, mm -hmm. right? So that, that has never gone away, but it is not really used anymore to price things at this point. I mean, I'm doing it because I'm, I, I... You make your point. Yeah, but um, I, I would say most people don't know what a barrel of oil costs in gold, right? But despite that, it still works extremely well. You guys it's have done really it with amazing. Big Macs. You've done it with, obviously, barrels of oil. You've done it with pretty much anything that people could touch. Canadian real estate, you recently did it, or you're at least... Yeah, so, I mean, we have, we have looked at it because, I mean, if, you, if anybody followed Canadian real estate markets, um, I mean, those prices have gone up to uh, astronomic levels in <laughs> some cities, if you look at Vancouver or Toronto. And, um, like, uh, just today, actually, Toronto came out and uh, they reconsidering a foreign buyer's tax, which they've previously actually... Um, uh, they actually discarded that idea before. But, but in Vancouver, they Vancouver actually introduced it um, back in the summer of yep. uh, 2016. And 
prices actually haven't really come off in Vancouver. It's, it's, so if you look at condo prices, they're actually up three to five percent since they introduced the tax. But what has come off is um, uh, prices for detached homes, yeah, which is, is really the ones like if you look at the price charts, that is really the one that just goes like <laughs> yeah. this. There's this. I did this. I'm from Thunder Bay, Ontario, so like there's no. The, the aggregate your the aggregate housing prices have gone up there too. They've gone up everywhere. Yeah. But I, I gave them this presentation. I was showing them. Um, there's this great Canadian website called Crack. Uh, it's called CrackShackOrMansion.com. <laughs> I got forty percent right on that one. That's that's Did you? that's worse than flipping a coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great website. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it is it is like that, right? Yeah. So if you if you drive around in certain parts of Vancouver, yeah, you Vancouver. actually do see these homes yeah. um, that are. They were bought for several million dollars a couple of years ago, and they're just rotting there because <laughs> it's just park money. And, and that's what this foreign buyer's tax is actually aiming at, and we can discuss whether this makes any sense yeah. or not. But for, for me, kind of... But you immediately looked at it in gold. <laughs> yeah, because basically, like, so, so I mean, the... the generally, like, if you read media reports and you hear uh, politicians talk about it, I mean, they're, they're very, very quick to blame foreign speculators yeah. for, for the problem. And, I mean, again, like, there's certain markets where that's definitely had an impact. Um, I mean, it obviously doesn't make sense to kind of buy million-dollar homes and let them rot. That doesn't seem to be a good <laughs> investment. So there's definitely something going on there. But if you look at overall Canadian real estate prices... They have gone up almost 100% over the past 10 years as well. And we talk about places where foreign investment is outright banned. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about places where they, there's no foreigners ever want to go there. Um, and, and Like my hometown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. About no, that. no, 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 it's pretty close. I, I think that, that would be a good example. But, so, but those prices have moved up as well. Obviously, like Vancouver has gone up 130%. But, I mean, yeah, one like this sounds really crazy, but if you look at it for... Wages have been flat, yep. right? Over the same period, they have, in nominal terms, depends a bit where you work, but they have gone up maybe twenty percent, and and so it really like average Canadian real estate is totally out of reach with average salaries mm -hmm. it, or median salaries, yep. and so um, and, and we looked at it and we thought, well, I I have like I have a hunch that there is actually much more to this story than it is just foreign buyers coming and buying all our real estate. And if you look at it, um, it is much more a Canadian dollar problem than anything mm -hmm. else. So if you look at, if you take again the, uh, the basically the view that over a very long time, um, like prices of goods stay relatively stable in gold, um, why not use gold basically as the... The, the unit mm -hmm. you measure it against. And if you look at um, real estate prices, even, even in Toronto, prices actually haven't gone up since the 1990s when you look at it in gold. So why is that? It's not because gold has gone up so much. It's just the Canadian dollar has, lo has lost, lost a lot of value. Yeah. And the real problem is not that, um, that prices have gone up. I know that sounds weird, but the real problem is that wages haven't. Mm -hmm. Right, so that that is your issue. So, people's wages haven't gone up with the same rate of inflation as these asset prices have gone up, and at the same time, whatever dollar they were able to save, so they're spending more on things as well, right? So, wages are flat, 
meat prices are up 65% over 10 years and vegetable prices are up 40%. So everything, everything goes up faster than your wages. But if you, even then, if you were able to still save some money for a house, those $1,000 you put in your bank account just didn't buy you the same things. It's, it's like, it, it becomes like an impossible task to save your down payment, right? Then again, if you save the same in gold, you would still have the same purchasing power right yeah. now in terms of how much house can I buy with whatever I was able to save back then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, is, it, is, it is interesting that it, it wor- works both ways, right? It's not just, it's, it's good money to own in my way, in my view, but it is also, it is very useful to measure things. Yeah. Because if you measure things in a, a currency that just decays all the time, it's, it's very weird. Like, why do we measure it that way? I mean, if you imagine you would measure your, your height with a measuring tape that is made of a material that expands all the time. <laughs> so you, you basically would, on paper, you would shrink every year. That is just like, I mean, it's, it doesn't make any sense to measure yourself that way or measure anything um, that way. But looking at prices in fiat currency, that's exactly what exactly we're doing. What we do. Exactly what we do. Well, thank you for providing us the right measurement stick. That's a, that's a, it's been it's been really helpful. I know that everyone who's watched this is super happy to to get to meet you, Josh. Uh, Gold money, you guys are doing a great job, and uh, I'm sure everybody's looking forward to what you write next and seeing you on Hedge Eye TV again soon. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of Hedge Eye's Real Conversations. If you enjoyed this interview, we encourage you to subscribe to Hedge Eye Podcasts for automatic downloads of future interviews with top market and economic thought leaders. You can also visit hedgeye.com for additional content. There you can learn more about our financial research firm's comprehensive market research products and complimentary videos and analysis. The proceeding has been presented for informational purposes only, and none of the information contained herein constitutes a solicitation, offer, opinion, or recommendation by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guest speakers to buy or sell any security or to provide legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice regarding the profitability or suitability of any security or investment. Opinions and analysis are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can and may go up or down based on any number of factors. Consult your financial professional before investing.